good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and my guest, Peter Herbeck, is uh, Vice President and Director of Missions for Renewal Ministries. For more than 30 years, he's been actively involved in evangelization and Catholic renewal throughout uh, the United States, Canada, Africa, Eastern Europe. He's co-host of the weekly television program, The Choices We Face, and Crossing the Goal. He also hosts the daily radio program, Fire on the Earth. Uh, You can learn more of the great work that he's doing with Renewal Ministries by just going to renewalministries.net. Well, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Al. Yeah. I remember the first time, it was 1974 or 75, first time that I had the opportunity to share the gospel with somebody and have them say, I want to become a follower of Jesus, and then to lead this person to eventually baptism. I was outside the the Catholic Church at the time, and so I would do things differently today. But the point is, uh, I have to say, that was one of the uh, self, the joy of the gospel became a self-attesting experience at that point. It was an overwhelming sense of joy, uh, second to just about nothing else in my experience all these years. So I'm always surprised when I hear church leaders in particular who should know better, when I hear them uh, try to curtail the proclamation of the gospel to various peoples. In this case, we've got somebody who really should know better uh, because he's been around a while and he's actually written some very good things. Uh, But Archbishop Bruno Forte has recently said that we should not be proclaiming the gospel, and if I misunderstand him, correct me, but that we should not be uh, proclaiming the gospel to the Jewish people. And he says that apparently the fear of a resurgent anti-Semitism is so great uh, here. Um, what's, What's especially troubling to me is that the first person that I, quote, led to the Lord, as they say, was a woman of Jewish extraction. <laughs> so, I'm married to a woman you're of married Jewish extraction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to hear somebody say that is to say, this is the greatest, I believe that I was able to be there to offer the greatest gift that this person could receive. And I'm, he's now saying that that was, that was wrong. That was just basically wrong to do it. Why? What what do you make of a, a statement like this? And knowing what you know about the power of the gospel, uh, its power unto salvation, why would somebody say that? Yeah, there's, um, I'm sure, a variety of reasons in play on the whole thing, but uh, there has been, for sure, a loss of confidence in the Scripture, the plain speaking, plain words of the Scripture, part of a lot of people, number one. Number two, a tremendous sensitivity to the historic realities of the relationship between the Catholic Church and the Jew and Jewish people, yeah, the yeah. Holocaust and things of that sure, nature. Sure. Um, it, it happening in Christian Europe, you know, and Catholic Europe in different ways and all yep. that. So it, there's so there's a, a sensitivity to genuine abuses that happened throughout uh, history in different ways. So um, and anti-Semitism is a real thing, right? But to conclude that somehow, therefore in order to maintain respectful relationships with the Jewish community and Jewish leaders, that um, the church no longer has any calling or purpose in communicating the person of Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, 
to the Jewish people. Now, it's important to understand, you know, that the, the church, when it comes to evangelization, period, we we always have a posture of respecting the person that we're oh, speaking yeah. to, yeah, right? Yes, yes. We propose, we never impose right. this kind of thing. And, and, you know, the recent popes have worked hard on kind of grasping that. But I just find it particularly interesting, Al, in these days now, the daily readings and the things where just what we've come through in the Triduum, yeah. and then the listening to the preaching of Peter and Paul and all the apostles and the fact that the Lord himself obviously was Jewish, who we went to first and who we proclaimed the gospel to, who we spoke Salvation day and night to. Salvation from the Jews, was, John yep, chapter 4. Right. Yeah. And if you think about um, a couple of key passages that I that, uh, really are so inspiring, but you know, the day of Pentecost itself, the first proclamation, Jesus told the apostles, wait in the upper room, you know, and you'll testify that I am the fulfillment and how I fulfilled the Jewish scriptures and the prophetic anticipation. Yes. But wait till the Holy Spirit, the promise is given, and you'll have power and I'll lead you. So Peter comes out on that day of Pentecost, and he dis- he he says, what's happening in that moment, what they were experiencing, first of all, was the fulfillment of the prophet Joel, you know, and in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. So Peter stands up and he's saying, because they're noticing the amazing realities that the apostles, like something's going on with these guys, yeah. right? Yeah. It was an encounter with the very power of the spirit that Jesus said they would encounter that would give them, as John St. Paul, John, uh, St. John Paul II used to say, the Holy Spirit will st- stir their deepest energies empower them and thrust them from the upper room into the marketplace, into the street, he said, to proclaim the central message, essentially that heaven wants communicated first to the Jewish people, but to the whole world. Yeah. And so here's, here's a heart, the heart of what Peter preached that day. Remember, he's now speaking to Jewish people from uh, on the day of Pentecost, which was a great harvest feast, a significant feast in Jerusalem, pilgrim feast. that yep. Jew- it was, So the city was filled with Jewish people, including Jewish leaders. And so this is who Peter's speaking to. He said, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out on, on uh, out this which you now see and hear. For David, King David, right? For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make thy enemies a stool for your feet. Therefore, Peter said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is the central point of the proclamation, of the apostolic proclamation in the New Testament. The apostolic proclamation of the gospel is that the Jewish promise has been fulfilled. I mean, this is is what gets really crazy by—talk about creating barriers between people groups— by refusing to share the gospel with uh, uh, Jewish people, you're actually depriving them of what Peter and Paul, uh, the apostles, the Blessed Mother, all believed uh, was the proclamation that brought meaning and purpose and fulfillment to their Jewish identity. Yeah. I and mean, then, that's crazy. Yeah, and then later after they're arrested— Here's another passage we're going to be hearing about a few times over the next few weeks in the daily readings of Mass, that sort of thing. So he's Peter is appearing before 
the religious leaders, because remember, he healed a man, the Lord healed a man sure. through Peter, and yep, yep. they're wondering, how did this happen? So big commotion happened in the temple, and they're arrested. And here's Peter, he says, he, listen to who he's speaking to, he says, rulers of the people and elders, be it known to you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well, the man that was healed. He said, this is, a, this is the stone, now quoting to the religious leaders, he's quoting Psalm 8, 118, verse 22. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, but which has become the head of the corner. And there is salvation in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That's a Jewish man, discipled personally by the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ, who's being sent forth by the power of the Holy Spirit, the promise that's given first to the people of Israel, that the Lord promised and poured out on the day of Pentecost, that empowered the apostles to communicate the gospel. And the Catholic Church says the Holy Spirit is the first agent of the church's entire mission. And being docile to what the Holy Spirit is doing in us and wants to communicate is the key. So let me just say it again. This is chapter 4, verse 12 of Acts. Peter says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Again, this is to the Jewish leaders of Israel, and this is a Jewish man who's proclaiming what he saw that in the name of Jesus, another Jewish man in the temple was healed yeah, yeah. by the power of Jesus Christ. And I mean, that's how they, that's, this is the, this is what's called the kerygma. And Father Contil, Cardinal Contilamese says, this is the germ cell from which the church, the explosive reality, the declaration of who Christ is, that's how the church grows. And so we have an archbishop here in the context, he's trying to be sensitive uh, be aware of Jewish sensit- historical sensitivities, which are very real, and we should be sensitive and respectful. But you can't go from here to saying uh, the Catholic Church and no Christians, he said, should have a mission to communicate to Jewish people that somehow they need Jesus for their salvation. I mean, that couldn't yeah. be more confused than anything. There's a kind of fearful timidity, in my view, there. And it is, and a, a, maybe a good, the best way to look at it, a good desire to try to build bridges, to try well, to respect course. sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. But you can't go that far. No, because you end up... It's an anti-Semitism. It's the it, worst kind of anti-Semitism. It is. It's, you're, 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 uh, we believe... That, I mean, this is, this is, the part, this is part of the, the Catholic faith. We believe that Jesus, uh, as Jewish Messiah, was the fulfillment of the promises to Israel. And there's no way of talking about Christianity apart from Judaism. You know, the Hebrew, the faith of the Hebrew people, the, uh, the exile, you know, the, 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 the restoration to the land, and all the. This is such a part of what it means to be a Christian that there aren't two separate. There's not. There's no Christianity without its roots in Judaism. Yeah, and so and don't forget what these... you're asking us to be. You're asking us to shed uh, our Judaism for some kind of what? Uh, some mongrel form of Christianity. 
Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta, and uh, my guest, Peter Herbeck, and I just enjoying remembering the power of the gospel. Uh, you know, the, the, what we saw in the readings recently, we've been hearing a lot about the apostolic proclamation of the gospel, the charisma, the, the, the DNA, uh, the seed of the church, you might say. Um, this gospel was proclaimed by Jews uh, to, first of all, to Jews. And it, it was Christianity is Jewish. I mean, that's in that sense. Uh, it, there's no understanding uh, Christianity without understanding the Jewishness of Jesus, without understanding the Jewishness of, of Paul, without understanding the entire history of salvation from Abraham forward, uh, you know, through the, the covenant with Abraham, the covenant at Sinai, uh, where Moses uh, delivers a constitution for the people of Israel, the covenant made with David, uh, that there will always be so many on the throne. Uh, there, You have then the new covenant from Jeremiah, and you have Jesus enacting that new covenant uh, at the Holy Thursday, which we just celebrated last week. This is the whole story. You cannot find Christianity apart from Judaism. Uh, so when we find uh, a celebrated archbishop like Bruno, Bruno Forte, who has, he has a significant theological background, to hear him say that uh, for fear of anti-Semitism, we should avoid preaching the gospel to the Jewish people, I would just love to see him say that to St. Paul. I mean, it would be absurd. He, it, it makes no sense at all once you consider our our DNA, <laughs> what you consider our identity as a people. You cannot remove Christianity from its Jewish uh, roots. Um, I'm with Peter Herbeck of Renewal Ministries, and we've been enjoying the conversation. I guess, um, you know, this is, this is something that we've seen before, where certain Christian leaders are hampered for whatever reason, uh, fear of man, you know, I, mm-hmm. afraid of losing position or place, but they don't. They don't seem to see themselves as gospel people. <laughs> that this is yeah. what they. they, they I think this is com- the message for which I live. You know, uh, yeah. so you, you pointed out too. We, we saw this kind of thing during the Amazonian Synod. Yeah, and I think the. You know, just just before we move on to that, which which is another interesting interesting thing to talk about, just realizing, you know, people can ask the question like, why isn't the new evangelization going forward? Well, part of it, very effectively, is part of it is a loss of clarity and a loss of conviction. Yeah, that's good about the core that's message. Good. This is the stuff we just read about, you know, from the mouth of Saint Peter. Which, by the way. These men who were Jewish men speaking to Jewish men and Jewish leaders and Jewish people, men and women in the temple area, they they ended up dying for what they were preaching, and part they laid down their lives because they knew this was this was the absolute fulfillment. The Messiah had come. Not only did the Jewish people were they able to embrace in this reality the fulfillment of who they are, but now the promises to Israel were going to the whole world in the salva- salvations being offered to the human race. It's a world historical event. Yeah. Life is is 
different as a result of the incarnation of the Word of God in the Jewish womb of Mary. Come on. Yeah, and Uh, so one of the things we're seeing, Al, is that not only is there a lack of confidence, but sometimes it's proposed, well, you don't need to evangelize Jewish people. Let's just work alongside each other because they have their own saving covenant that doesn't include Jesus. And so Peter and Paul and all the apostles are saying that's not true. And now we go on to another situation which um, a prominent uh, bishop um, who was the Edwin uh, Crutler was a missionary in, in the Amazon for decades, almost 40 years, I think, 35 yeah, years. I remember and this. he had a you know critical role in the Amazon Synod. He was a very influential leader there. And one of the things that sh- shocked me was he he boasted about having worked with uh, these indigenous peoples and people who were not baptized to say, I never baptized one person in all these years of being a missionary. Why? It, because he believed they didn't need it, because they had their own path, because everybody has their own this path. This was not right? a lament. No, no, no. He was boasting. <laughs> he was boasting. Yeah, he was happy to say I it. I know. I remember this. You know, as if, and, and so there's this confusion about, number one, you know, some Ralph Martin talks about this quite often, as you know, the problem of universalism. Right. Look, everybody's right. already saved. Everybody's got their own pathway. So let's just work together on human development, fixing the world, making the world more peaceful, things the church cares about, for sure. But her fundamental mission is this. And so it just, here we are in this beautiful season of the celebrating the birth of the church, right? The post-resurrection yeah. realities that yeah. have burst forth in the new creation that's in a man. Yeah. It's in a person. It's in the God-man, Jesus Christ. And the future of the human race is now revealed. God's plan for the human problem, the sin problem, the death problem. And so I'm thinking about, he's boasting of never baptizing anybody. And then I think about Jesus's conversation with Nicodemus, you know, or in, 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 in John chapter yeah, three, yeah. it says, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, because Nicodemus is asking essentially, well, well, how can somebody be saved? Like, what do you mean? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Because the Lord is communicating a fundamental truth. Christianity is new life. What is that new life? Yeah. It's a new life that's in a person. Jesus said the Father has given him authority to give that new life that's now united to human flesh in the person of Jesus. Human flesh didn't die ultimately separated from God, but died and passed from death to life, swallowed up death in victory, and now he's offering us this new humanity. So flesh is born of flesh. We, we all have biological life, right? And our biological clocks are winding down. And what does death come from? Death comes from sin, Scripture says. All have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came to deal with the sin problem, which produced the death problem. He died on a cross and shed his blood to deal with the sin problem. He rose again from the dead. And in baptism, he communicates to us his divine life. We have a share of God's very life, and we're born again. Nobody can, nobody automatically, here's a confusion that's out there, Alan. I think one of the things that that this bishop was communicating was like, hey, we're all children of God. Everybody's already there. Everybody's already received it. Or like the confusion of Father Richard Rohr's book. He wrote a book on Christology a yeah. couple of years ago that was popular, yeah, right. which said everybody's already got the Christ by virtue of you know the first incarnation and Genesis and all this, and just skip over 
the reality of what Jesus has fundamentally accomplished in that way and to say, no, yes, everyone's born in the image and likeness of God, loved by God. God loves us so much he sent his son so that we could be born again to become, as John says, we can have the power to become children of God that have the life of Jesus so we too can pass from death to life. And and there, it is talking about a, qual- a qualitative change there, to be born again. This is not just learning a new routine. This is not just signing on for a few new doctrines or something. This is a change in identity. And uh, if... if, if the idea that he's proud that he didn't baptize anybody for 40 years indicates to me that he doesn't actually believe that human beings are dead in trespasses and sin, and that uh, uh, as much as they are worth and as valuable as they are before God, and as important as it is that they learn to image God, they must, if they're to inherit the kingdom, they must be born again. Think about that language. Yeah. That That's not just language of reform. Yeah. That's language of regeneration. It's it's not, you know, you're a decent person here, and then you get to be a little bit better person, a little bit better person. And No, it's a matter of you're dead in trespasses and sin, then you are alive. Uh, you, you, you're buried with Christ in baptism. And then raised a newness of life. There's, it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, it, it's the whole thing. Yeah. It's, it's Christianity is a new life. It's the God life given. Yeah. It, we're sharing with us now. Jesus made it clear to Nicodemus what needed to happen, and then back to Peter, the first homily ever preached uh, the, uh, by the first yeah. vicar of Christ. Yeah, very good. What, That's what, true. What, yeah. what does he say to finish off that? He says, "Now then, to the whole crowd on the day of Pentecost that's gathered there." And they've heard, yes, Jesus is Lord. They, that kerygma we were talking about, Al, that germ cell starts to touch their heart and bring conviction. And they say, it says, now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do that yeah. is to, to receive this salvation? And here's what Peter said. Repent. That means change your direction. Turn toward God. Acknowledge your sin. Number one. Number two, be baptized Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It, this, this is Jesus' words being repeated by Peter. Peter's proclaiming it, and the yeah. church is being born in that reality. So yeah. the first apostle at that moment, right? The first bishop, I guess we would say, right? Yeah. What is he preaching? He's saying, no. It's how do you connect with the life of Jesus so you can pass from death to life and become part of the new creation? And as my brother, Apostle John, is telling us, he gave us power to become children of God. How do you become a child of God? Come, repent for the and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift, new life in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This is it's so vitally important, and again, I, I think that oftentimes people who are spend their lives doing religion, so to speak, um, forget the power of God. They are accustomed uh, to the vestments, they're accustomed to the routines, they're accustomed to the rituals. They no longer experience the power that comes from the gospel, and consequently, they don't see that they have anything distinct to offer. Yeah. Um, we don't 
we don't offer the gospel because of our own uh, goodness. We offer the gospel because we ourselves are creatures. Uh, our identity uh, is a result of having received that divine word. Uh, uh, Alan, it's interesting. Yeah. Is we've got here uh, just a, so you see that's just a, a picture coming of confusion coming from some of the leaders in the church. Uh, but we come back, there's some also some interesting things just popularly believed by so many Catholics yeah, fact, to be good s- to talk about. There's some surveys that are worth yeah. Yeah. pointing out here because, they, again, they will point out that there's a huge gap between what we think uh, fellow Catholics believe and what they actually believe. So hold it there. Peter Herbeck, my guest. I'm Al Cresta. We'll be right back. Hey, good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta with Peter Herbeck here at Renewal Ministries. We've been taking a look at some. We, you know, I mentioned earlier, I had a, I had a great Trudum, great Easter, um, and again, reminding me once again of the, the, the joy of the gospel. Uh, and it, it makes it difficult at times to make sense of um, statements that certain church leaders make, such as, we mentioned one from Archbishop Bruno Forte, about uh, that to avoid anti-Semitism, we should avoid preaching the gospel to Jewish people. Um, and, and we mentioned also this Archbishop from, uh, or this missionary, excuse me, uh, from the Amazonian region who was proud that in 40 years of work down there, he had baptized nobody. Apparently, in his mind, baptizing somebody would be colonialistic or imperialistic or imposing culture on somebody. He, he never, apparently, for all the years he was down there, he never worked through the difference between gospel and culture. You know, he got, he's confused. Um, and when leadership is confused, people are, people are confused. Uh, in fact, and that shows up in st- studies that have been done of what Catholics actually believe. Yeah, there's a, there was a study um, a couple of years ago. Uh, I remember Bishop Barron and a few other people talked about a uh, called the State of Theology. I think it comes out every year, every other year. Uh, the organization, League and Air organization, I think that's how you pronounce it. And they had these two false statements in their L that were very interesting, the, res- the results of them. And so they had quite a Catholic, um, they had a, quite a, uh, a representation of Catholics in this study, self-identified Catholics. And okay. so I'd like to take a look at this, what yeah, course, self-identified yeah. Catholics are saying yeah, about yeah, the faith. That's our so, people. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so one of them was, and it kind of follows up on what we just talked about. Well, there's three of them here. Hopefully, we can get to all three of them because I think they're good. Uh, so, one of the statements was, "Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature." True or false? So, 77 percent of of self-identified Catholics said boldly, "So that's true. That's a true statement." Now, I just want to read something to you here from Paul. Ephesians chapter 2, one of the great chapters in the whole Bible. Yes, it is. It's so beautiful. Paul says, and, and you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is work in the sons of disobedience. Among these, we all once lived in the passions of of our flesh. By the way, in that one sentence and a half, Paul talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil, all three. Yeah. Those are the biggies, right? That, that, and so he said, among these, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of body and mind, and so we were by nature 
children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Yeah. So here's the biblical anthropology. Here's the biblical understanding of the nature. Of course, God created, everything God created was good, right? So that way you could say that. Of course. But yes. we're also fallen and in need of salvation precisely because we are in the situation yeah. that Paul is talking Chapter about Chapter 2 here. of the story is the fall. Yeah. The captivity, as Father John puts it. Yeah. So you got creation, this chapter one. Chapter two, those fall. Yeah. And so people, no, don't talk. It's so negative. No, it's not negative. It's the facts. It's the truth. It's, it's liberating. The yeah. And then what's the very next thing he says, <laughs> Give uh, the Al, in that reading? He's, after he says, we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's the human conditions, the default mode of the human race. This is why we need to be baptized into Christ and to become a new creation. And then what's the next line in Ephesians? But because of his great love for us. Yeah. Right? God, who's rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Not even wiggling around in transgressions. We were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. This is remarkable. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms. I mean, this is, this is uh, again, already anticipating our full union and participation with Christ, um, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Now, this, uh, this, is, this is why people commit their lives to following Jesus. This is why people turn away from uh, the, the, you know, the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's, it's, it's why they battle against sex, uh, money, and power. It's why they're willing to say no to some otherwise good things, because they have greater things that they can do to reflect the priorities of the kingdom of God. People give their lives for the kingdom of God, they, their families. They give their, uh, their work. They give their wealth. Uh, they don't do that to be members of a club. They do that because they become members of a new kingdom. And that's what's missing in so much of what popular Catholic, you know, homiletics offer. And it's this, it's this fear of letting people know that there is a line between those who are in Adam and those who are in Christ— those who are in the power of, who are dead in their transgressions and sin, and those who have been made alive to Christ. This is not a statement of my moral character. It's a statement about what Christ has done for me. Okay, he's moved me from one place to the other place. Now, I've got to learn how to live in that place. I've got to become all that that place calls me to be. But, I mean, this... You offer people a new identity in Jesus. You do, and the staggering... You don't just polish them up. The staggering fact of the incarnation, right, that astounding mystery and wonder that God entered his own story and took on human flesh, and then what we just went through in the Triduum, Jesus' passion on the cross, (laughs) and his rising from the dead, and now we're going to celebrate soon, weeks down the road, his ascension into glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory... It happened, he came because of this, because we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Mankind was not in right relationship with God. That's right. And for God so loved mankind. 
And if you don't get the reality of why he came, you're not going to have any sense of urgency. No. Hey, because look, oh, yeah, yeah, people sin a little bit, but there's no big problem to solve. You know, there's nothing, but there is. There's a there's a, a massive problem to solve, and the Son of God did it. He's the one who did it. And so then there's there's another, another can we do another one of these? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So there's yeah, another like statement, these. a true false statement. Same study. Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. A d- denial of his divinity. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so, so almost 60% of self-identified Catholics said, he was a great teacher, but he was not God. That is yeah. to miss – these things are to miss the entire central point yeah. of, his, of who he is, his identity, why the church exists, yeah. and who we are, right? So I'm just thinking of some of these titles, Al. This I used beautiful. to have a, a friend, Go ahead. a priest, uh, yeah. when I first returned to the Catholic Church. It uh, was an enjoyable man. But he once told me that as a priest, he never taught that Jesus was God because he thought that that uh, was misleading. Yeah. That it was a denial of his humanity, and I, I said to him, "Well, don't you teach that Jesus was God who took on human nature?" I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't like to say that he was God. I think that's misleading. I mean, he had a whole generation of kids who went through the, his school, and he made sure that nobody ever said Jesus is God. Yeah, and the, and okay, he's a great teacher. He's a great moral teacher. That's how a lot of people think of him. He's a, he's a, a prophet, prophetic kind of character and all this stuff. And just think about the things the Scripture says. And again, this partly comes from ignorance of Scriptures, ignorance well, of Christ. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's a fact. Yeah. And so just think of some of these things from Jesus said himself, I'm the I am, the, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, I'm the light of the world, I'm the bread of life, I'm the resurrection and the life, I'm King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the yep. lion and the lamb, the bridegroom, the king and judge, Amen. all of that. Yeah. And that's a little more than being a great teacher, yeah. right? Would yeah, you say? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he, yes, he was, the, he was a wise teacher. He was a yeah. prophet. But listen to these titles, which yeah. are drawn right from the New Testament. Yeah. And in the Gospel of John, it's structured around seven signs and wonders that Jesus does and seven I am statements, where Jesus shows us who he is with his identity. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. You know, we we get blamed sometimes for being exclusivistic, but we're not. I mean, the point is Jesus is the one that represented himself as the exclusive means of access to the Father. Um, and, of course, you know, there are theological issues you can go into here and talk about, well, how does that work with those who haven't heard and all that. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's all good. Church but you very can't deny what he says and you can't deny the rub that yeah. he built into those statements. There's and, and one last one, Alice, sort of related to this, yeah. which is interesting as well. True, false statement, same study. Self-identified Catholics. Uh, true or false? The Holy Spirit is a force, but not a personal being. Seventy-two percent of Catholics said that that statement is true, and then another eleven percent said. I don't really know what to think about it. So 83% of Catholics, um, who, going back to what we first talked about, the church was, Jesus said, wait, you know, in the upper room, the church was born on the day of Pentecost, right? In the, it's a miracle. It's, it's a, 
it's born by the power yeah. of the gift of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> to be Christian is to be christened with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, I'll send you the Holy Spirit. You'll be a counselor. You'll be your advocate. He will encourage you. He, and then Jesus says, um, and if you follow me and love me, I will manifest myself to you. And who does the manifesting? Yeah. The Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord, St. Paul said, right. except by the Holy Spirit. Of course, people can say those words. Anybody can say those words. I will send you another comforter, which really means one of the same kind. Yeah. He's a person. Yeah. Uh, I, I think of uh, Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 where they have uh, you know, said that they'd given all their wealth, and they lied. And St. Peter says to them, you've lied not to man, but to the Holy Spirit. You don't lie to an impersonal force. Yeah. You know, uh, you lie to persons. Yeah. Paul's beautiful words in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, so that we may understand the gifts bestowed on us by God. And we speak of these things in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual things to those who are spiritual. You're born again by water and the Spirit. You're brought alive in the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. I mean, if for nothing else, it's in the creed. And for 83% of Catholics to say he's not a person, you know, the Holy Spirit's not a person, is to miss a fundamental creedal reality. And because they don't know the Spirit, you're not going to know Jesus Christ because the Spirit is an experienced reality as well who gives us the power to come to see the glory, the beauty, the majesty, the lordship of Jesus. And when we see it, Al, we want to proclaim yeah. Jesus Christ is Lord, and Jesus Christ is my Lord, right? He's not only the Lord, but he's my Lord. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the faith conviction to see it, to understand it, and then to want to proclaim it. But if you're missing out who Jesus is, if you think everybody's already saved, if you don't know who the Holy Spirit is but a strange force like Star Wars, you you just think it's all kind of the same thing, it's all blurring together, you'll have no mission, you'll have no conviction, and you won't be able to experience the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. You know, the... If If I had to say one thing could change this... I would say immersion in the biblical text. Uh, I just uh, honestly, I think this is the vocabulary uh, of the church. We really ought to be immersing ourselves in the text. We shouldn't be afraid of the text as long as we're studying the scriptures in the heart of the church. So, Peter, thanks. Hold it. We'll come back on the other side just for about thirty seconds. Okay. 